think it's time for a lot of the doubters to begin writing their Tyler Hero apology letters. Uh, he's been awesome this year for the Heat. You know, one of their most important players for sure. Uh, and definitely one of the driving forces uh, for the hot start that they're out to. Um, coming off the bench for them currently, but he's still, you know, 20th in the league in scoring. Uh, next closest bench player, just to give you kind of some context for that, uh, is Buddy Heald at 52nd. Um, so you're talking about a 30 player difference in terms of points per game. And, you know, one of the top scores in the league, um, you know, to be top 20 is, is really good. Um, currently flirting with 50, 40, 90 club. For those who don't know, 50% field goal percentage overall, 40% on threes and 90% free throws. Not something we see done a whole, you know, very often at all. Um, you know, Steph Curry, obviously kind of a prime candidate for that. Larry Bird was a guy who had done it. Um, but definitely not, not numbers we see hit very often. And if he doesn't get it this year, you know, he's a little bit short of all three categories right now, but if he gets on a big run this year, I could definitely see him hitting that by the end of the year. Um, but definitely at some point in his career, I, I just don't see how there would be a way that he would not make it. Um, currently, 21.8 points a game, 5.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists. The 2.9 turnovers you don't love to see. Uh, he can get a little loose with the ball, a little cute with it every now and then. Something I expect he'll clean up as his career progresses. Um, you know, he's still, I think, only 21 years old, maybe 22. Maybe he had a recent birthday, but, you know, those numbers really great uh, for third year player. Um, yeah. As I kind of mentioned, you know, he's, he's gotta be in the mix for, you know, most improved player this year. If he doesn't end up getting that, I've got to imagine he's the lead guy for six man of the year. Um, and in a recent interview uh, interviewer kind of asked him where he saw his career going, you know, he said the interviewer had kind of mentioned, you know, a lot of people saw him as a role player. I think those people are crazy at this point. And I do have the receipts to back it up that I felt this way about him. Um, you know, when we did our Easter conference preview, talked about last year, his struggles last year is kind of being a little bit more of a fluke or at least, you know, could chalk it up just to sophomore slump. It was a weird year for the Heat and his struggles weren't a problem that was exclusive to him. You know, Jimmy and Bam were really the only players that kind of, you know, played really well last year. Everybody else kind of struggled or regressed to some degree, took a step back. Um, anyways, interviewer, um, you know, just where so asked him where he saw his career ending up. And he had kind of mentioned he expects to be or would like to be considered in with the Luka Doncic's, Trey Young's, John Morant's, um, particularly with the last two. I'm sorry, the first two I mentioned, uh, Luka Doncic and Trey Young. That's those. Those are the two that I've seen the most gripes about online in terms of, you know, thinking Tyler Hero is delusional for wanting to be considered in with those two guys. I think that was kind of taken out of context for him a little bit. He just was, he was mentioning in a context if he wants to be considered or consider his himself to be kind of in that next group of guys who are in line to become the league's superstars or the, the next set of superstars. So um, I don't know that he was directly saying he's as good as them, but that's kind of the way people took it. But anyways, we'll go there. Um, you know, obviously not quite as good as Luka Doncic, Trey Young, putting it mildly, but I think it's closer than a lot of people are giving him credit for. I'll kind of start with the case against him just because that's the most obvious and kind of the most boring um, case against him. You know, I, I kind of mentioned he's 
being one of as being one of the most important players on the heat. Um, I think you can make the case for him being the third most important behind Bam and Jimmy. Um, If you consider Kyle Lowry to be more important, you know, if you look beyond his numbers, uh, you could make the case for hero being the fourth most important while Trey young and Luka Doncic are absolutely the faces, their franchise, no question, Um, particularly in Doncic's case. You know, he's, you know, really one of the only guys they got, it seems, some nights. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, case against him, you know, he's not been asked to carry the franchise like those guys. Those two, you know, Trey got to the conference finals with his team last year, you know, on a, on a really nice run. And they had a, a shot at making the finals, a real shot. You know, if he doesn't get hurt, who knows? I still think Milwaukee beats them, but um, definitely, you know, at least – we're in a we had a puncher's chance of making the finals last year. You know, Luka Doncic has gotten his team to the playoffs last two seasons, two out of three years for his career so far. This looks to be three out of four this year. Um, and doing that in the West, you know, particularly as a player as young as he is, and without a real complete roster or a lot of help, you know, he, it's, you know, him and a lot of role players, basically, he doesn't really have a clear cut number two player, or there's not a real clear pecking order beyond like Luca does everything for us. Um, so, you know, just getting to the playoffs, even though he hasn't gotten out of the first round yet, you know, real accomplishment there. Um, the case for him, obviously, this is, this is the most fun I thought, um, you know, kind of mentioned the playoff success and, you know, the fact that, you know, Luca and Trey carried have had to carry their franchises. Well, they haven't carried them to as much success so far. Um, Trey Young made his first playoffs last year. He did get to the conference finals, but still his his first playoffs. Uh, Luca hasn't made it out of the first round yet. Well, Tyler Hero, on the other hand, you know, made the playoffs last year. They did get swept, but they still made the playoffs. And then uh, the prior year when we were in the bubble, uh, the Heat made a pretty miraculous run to the finals, you know, toppling the mil- number one seeded Milwaukee Bucks. And then, you know, giving the Lakers, you know, a bit of trouble. Um, and especially when you factor in the injuries that they sustained during the finals uh, to take that series to six, you know, good accomplishment. I think they could have won had, you know, Bam and Goran Dragic not gotten injured in that finals, but maybe not probably not um Lakers were a really good team that year um so and he was a big part of them making the finals uh you know he had particularly thinking about that game he had against Boston you know if they don't win that game and they certainly don't win that game without him uh they may not win that series but he had a huge night and carried them that night and that you know they got to the finals he was still a big part of you know any success they had in the finals so had a little bit more playoff success than those other two um and with this season in particular his shooting percentage and shooting efficiency is across the board better than anything Trey Young or Luka Doncic are doing um efficiency wise he's like I had kind of mentioned at the beginning of this video um turns the ball over a little bit more than you would like his assist to turnover ratio you know Trey Young is at two and a half assists per turnover Doncic two assists per turnover uh Tyler Hero 1.3 per turnover he's not asked to do as much passing and playmaking as those two are so um and particularly as he gets older and you know tightens up his game a little bit I, I expect that you know to be a better ratio um Here's the real interesting case. So while Doncic and Trey are really asked to kind of carry their franchise, and that's kind of been the case against Hero, 
I think there could also you could also use that argument against them and for Hero, where he doesn't get the opportunities that those guys do. He doesn't get the usage rate touches um, that those guys do. And we might see similar numbers or or even better numbers if his shooting percentages persist with more opportunities. We usually don't see that. You know, obviously the more shots you take, the less efficient you get typically. But I think the the touch numbers, I looked at those, you know. But Luca getting about 91 touches per game. Each time he touches the ball, he has it for 6.3 seconds. And he has the ball for nine and a half minutes a game. Trey Young, 85 touches a game, six seconds every time he touches the ball, eight and a half minute time of possession per game. So, you know, you're talking about these two basically have a little less than a quarter's worth of, you know, basketball in their hands in terms of time. Uh, and they're holding on to the ball a lot more when they have it. Uh, Tyler Hero, 67 touches a game. So far less than what, you know, near 25 less than what Luca has. And, you know, 20-ish less, 18-ish less touches per game um, than Trey Young. Only 4.27 seconds per touch. So the ball's moving out of his hands really quick. And 4.8 seconds of time of possession so only about five minutes a game he has the ball versus you know nine for the other two if you average them together um so obviously just getting a lot less opportunities to really do stuff and, and really create off the dribble everything isn't running through him like it is for trey young and luka Doncic. so if you put him in that type of situation you know maybe we could see him as like a franchise carrying player um, and then, you know, just eye test wise, skill wise, Tyler Hero's got every shot. You know, he's got everything you would you would want in a guard offensively. You know, crafty finishes around the basket. I think he's an underrated athlete. We've seen him get the odd chase down block every now and again, and he can get up and dunk on people. So finishing around the basket has not been an issue for him. Um, you know, three point shooting. That's kind of what he's known for. But I think he, his skills go beyond that. I mean, he's got the step backs, the side steps on the threes, catch and shoot every shot there. Mid range stuff. He can, you know, pull up off of a screen and roll. He can, you know, pump fake, go around the guy, pull up for the mid range. He's got the floater game finishes with both hands, uh, both hands there with either the left or the right around the basket. He's got the ball handling skill to take people off the dribble. I mean, he really does have everything offensively, all the tools, all the shots, kind of like CJ McCollum. I think that's a good comparison where like, you know, CJ doesn't do it every night, you know, and neither does Tyler hero in terms of the scoring production, but like there isn't anything you can point to offensively in his game that he doesn't have. Um, obviously, you know, with time, we're hoping that becomes more consistent, the scoring wise, and he continues to refine those skills, but there's nothing missing from his, his game offensively kind of mentioned the turnover stuff. You know, sometimes he gets a little careless with the handle, um, or he gets a little too cute with some passes. It turns the ball over. He'll learn that with time. That's nothing to worry about. Um, defensively kind of like Trey young and Luka Doncic, I think particularly Doncic, he doesn't get picked on at least narratively as much as, you know, Trey Young or Tyler Hero does for the defense. I think Hero is actually a pretty underrated defender. You know, he's 6'5", and even in his rookie year, he was kind of frisky on that end. You know, he, he really fought hard. He really gives a crap on defense, which is more than a lot of guys can say. I, I think Doncic really doesn't care as much that in, on that end as he 
as the team probably needs him to. I think they're asking him to do way too much offensively. So it's not surprising that his defense is slacking Trey young. Obviously everybody knows he kind of gets picked on and hunted. The teams are still hunting hero offensively, but he's putting up a lot more of a fight this year. And it's, it's not like a guaranteed easy basket. It's just, he's kind of the obvious guy to hunt when you're in a, when you're, you know, looking at the other opposing team being the heat and you got Jimmy Butler and bam and Kyle Lowry. And it's just like, you know, who else are we going to go after here offensive offensively? So his defense is better um, than he, I think he kind of gets credit for. And I kind of mentioned the odd chase down block. He gets every now and again, rebounding wise too. I mean, better than Trey young, obviously. I think he's definitely, you know, nearly as good as Luka Doncic. I mean, six a game. And these aren't like, you know, Luca will get some free rebounds just from his team kind of boxing out and he just kind of walks to the ball. Russell Westbrook obviously gets a ton of those um, because everybody seems to kind of want to try and get him triple doubles. Tyler Hero doesn't get any of those rebounds. You know, the Heat aren't out there trying to get Tyler Hero rebounds. You know, he's having to battle for them and he goes up and gets them. And, you know, that's always been something that's been really impressive about his game. I think he might have been last season, like the Heat's third leading rebounder or fourth leading rebounder, which is crazy from a, you know, a point guard or a guy that kind of viewed the way he is um, in terms of physicality. Um, currently, the last point I'm going to make here, um, tied for seventh right now in fourth quarter scoring at 6.4 points a game in the fourth. Uh, LeBron and Demboya, Seku Demboya, were ahead of him on that list. So if you take them out, he's tied for fifth. Um, really, really impressive. Um, LeBron's only played a handful of games. That's why I mentioned that. And I think Demboya... Um, on that list it's only credited as having played two games so I'm not really wanting to include him there so we'll, we'll just say tied for fifth for him um, which is about one point better than Doncic and about 1.5 uh, points a game better than Trey Young so he's a more viable at least at this point in the season fourth quarter scoring option um, than either of those two as I mentioned you know he's out there in the closing group for the heat and he's kind of the go-to guy offensively. Um, you know, it's him and Jimmy Butler and he's scoring more in the fourth than Jimmy Butler, at least this season. Um, so kind of just to recap everything, you know, has definitely been having a breakout year. I think proving doubters of, you know, last season struggles wrong, just chalking him up as a role player. Uh, he looks like a lot more than that. I'm just so thankful they did not trade him because um, it looked like there for a while the Heat were looking to move him or at least cash in for like a, a veteran all-star type level player. I think he's got all-star potential. I think it would be crazy to not see him in that light. He's still really young. Um, so I'm hoping they wrap him up long-term. We continue to see him develop. Um, and I think he definitely will be in the mix as one of the best, like, under 25 players in the league after this season and kind of going forward until he hits that age. The Sacramento Kings can just not get out of their own way. Um, you know, last week they end up firing the, oddly enough, the second best coach in Sacramento Kings history, obviously the King to, uh, you know, have pretty long history, but not so much in Sacramento, you know, from the time they've been there, Rick Adelman was by far their most successful coach. And then Luke Walton, hilariously enough, uh, second best coach in Kings history, uh, Sacramento Kings history, at least by win percentage. Um, 
Yeah, I was I was laughing hysterically when I saw that. That's just something you can't feel good about if you're a Kings fan. Um, always had a soft spot for this team. Obviously, the Heat are always are always going to be my first love. Um, but I'm always pulling for the Kings. I just want them to be better than they are. It was really fun, like in the early 2000s when they were good. Um, you know, I think Sacramento has some really good sports fans there. You know, and I would like to see the team do a little bit better for them, or at least stiff a little bit of success. Um, it really don't have any issues with the decision of firing Luke Walton. It just kind of never happened for him here. Uh, and it never looked quite right. Um, you know, as far as him as a head coach, you know, it looked like it, he, you know, he could be a really good head coach, you know, during his time with the Warriors when he was the head coach, at least on an interim basis, while Steve Kerr was having some health issues, it looked really good. Um, but, hindsight wise it looks like maybe the roster was kind of carting him along rather than him keeping the ship afloat with Kerr out uh goes to the Lakers never really looks good there never really happens then he goes to the Kings same story um so decision wise I definitely think they made the right decision uh it's the timing of it that's just really weird to me so um last season obviously a huge disappointment for the Kings they expected to be in a play-in game or, you know, at least that was the kind of the goal they had in mind. I think that that was a realistic goal and they didn't attain it. And it's just not looked good under Walton. So they bring him back to start this year to the chagrin of myself. And I'm sure a lot of the Kings fan base. Um, but now here we are less than a fourth of the way into the season. They fired him like, OK, if you were feeling that uncertain about his future as the coach of this team, why bring him back at all? Like you could have, if you had fired him, you know, after the season, you could have been interviewing candidates all off season and brought in the right guy or somebody you feel really strongly about leading this thing in the right direction. I guess you could argue that like, given their history, they typically don't make the right decision. But like, if you give them the benefit of the doubt and think they're, they're going to make a competent decision, like why would you bring him back at all if he was on this short of a leash? It's just weird. So now you've got Alvin Gentry taking over, which is like, you know, he career wise, 510 wins, 595 losses, at least when I grabbed that number, it's changed a little bit now because he's had a couple of games um, coaching the Kings. I think he, you know, might be 512 wins to 595 losses now, something like that. Anyways, not, not great, but not horrible. Um, and so far, at least, you know, I know they're, you know, they had it, the, the, the good win against the Portland trailblazers and that triple overtime thriller against the Lakers. Um, but the first game under him was really rough. It didn't appear to have the Nate McMillan effect that he had on the Hawks that McMillan had on the Hawks last year, where he kind of got the, got the thing going after uh, they fired Lloyd Pierce. Um, Cause th that first game that, uh, Gentry coached was rough. It was against the 76ers. And you're like, oh, the 76ers, that's a good team. Uh, well, they were without Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, and obviously Ben Simmons. So you're talking about um, the Sacramento Kings at full strength versus the Philadelphia 76ers backup crew plus Tyrese Maxey. Um, and they lost. I mean, Embiid 
looked like Shaq or Will Chamberlain out there. I think he had something like 26 rebounds in that game. So didn't inspire a lot of confidence that this was going to really drastically change under Gentry. I guess if you're feeling optimistic, you know, he's a coach who's been around a really long time. He's had some success and um, maybe the guys in the locker room will respect him because he's, you know, been around for such a long time. So he could, he could get this ship righted, but I, I just, I don't think long-term wise, I just can't see him being the solution here. Um, yeah. So as I kind of mentioned, Adelman, most uh, successful coach in the Sacramento Kings history um, and arguably, you know, maybe Kings as a whole, but I, I wouldn't say that, but I think he's certainly in the mix. Um, so they decide to not just kind of, I'm going to kind of go back through history now and at least touch on kind of the draft mistakes to kind of illustrate how this team just doesn't get out of their own way ever. Um, and that will kind of give some context to why this has to be so frustrating for them. So they don't bring Adelman back after the 2006 season. That was a season in which they made the playoffs. So they decide not to renew his contract. Uh, haven't been back to the playoffs since. Haven't even finished a by f- above 500 since they didn't bring Adelman back. So from 2006 on now, this team has not finished above 500. I'm not sure that this team can finish above 500 or make the playoffs this year. Maybe they could sneak into the playoff spot if everything goes really well for them. Um, So as I kind of mentioned, let's kind of go back through, you know, some draft picks that they've made um, during that time. So 2007, they have the 10th pick that takes Spencer Hawes. Thad Young was available around that time. Uh, They would have been better off with Thad Young, but whatever. Spencer Hawes had a long career. It's not really too egregious of a pick. 2008, they do decently, I guess, and they get the 12th pick in the draft. They take Jason Thompson. Could have had Roy Hibbert, Robin Lopez. Jason Thompson, from what I remember, was pretty solid. So, again, we haven't done anything too crazy yet. Um, some of the Kings misery, at least drafting wise, they've kind of always been on the outside looking in or like one pl- a player has gone, you know, right before them. That would have really changed the, you know, the scope of their franchise. Um, and, and then also they just make some really horrible drafting decisions in some of these years. Um, so they take Tyreek Evans in 2009, they take him fourth. Um, James Harden goes third in that draft, so they just missed out on him. Uh, Steph Curry goes seventh. Um, In defense of the Tyreek Evans pick, he had one of the best rookie years we've ever seen from a player. Uh, Starting at point guard for them, he averaged 25 and five, so 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. Um, At the time, only LeBron, Oscar Robinson, and MJ had done that as rookies. Now Luka Doncic also is in that category. Um, So you're looking at some really, you know, generation defining players who have done that. Uh, And then there's Tyreek Evans. Uh, I really liked him, um, maybe to a fault, Um, but he just never got a defined role with them. And like the first year he started at point guard, it looked really good. And then from then on, they're like, oh, well, we want him at shooting guard. We want him at small forward. We want him doing this. We want him doing that. And he just they just really messed with his head. It looked like, and he regressed and he kind of just never took the next step forward after that rookie season. And I think it's just because, you know, he had a couple of different coaches and they just never defined his role. So they kind of squandered that potentially generational type uh, talent. Um, I guess we'll never know Uh, if he had gone somewhere else, maybe things would have been different for him. Um, So 2010, they take DeMarcus Cousins fifth, 
great pick there. Hassan Whiteside in the second round. Weird to take two centers in the same draft, but, you know, whatever. It worked out for them. Uh, Whiteside never really did anything for them. Uh, bounced around the G League and overseas and ended up uh, – Miami ended up giving him a chance. Um, so, so far, so good. You know, Tyreek Evans, DeMarcus Cousins, looking really good here. Um, so, in 2011, this is when things start to get a little weird. Um, they take Bismack Biombo with the seventh pick in the draft and decide to trade that down take Jimmer for debt um so they just to give you an idea of who they could have had uh they could have taken Kemba Walker ninth Clay Thompson 11th Kawhi Leonard 15th Vucevic 16th Tobias Harris 19th um Jimmy Butler 30th uh they did draft Isaiah Thomas that draft with the 60th pick so mystery relevant really came through for them it turned out to be a really good player um, the Clay Thompson thing, obviously taking Jimmer over him in hindsight is pretty egregious. Even at the time, there were a lot of people, myself included, who didn't believe in Jimmer for dead at the next level. He just didn't have, he was kind of a little too small and just not quite athletic enough to get it done. And, and at the NBA level, he's obviously killing it in China, um, but that doesn't help the Kings. Kawhi Leonard, that may seem really low for him, um, but at the time, he was kind of unskilled, didn't really have a jump shot. He was a power forward, from what I remember, at San Diego State, and people weren't really sure what to make of him. Once he got into San Antonio, he really just developed like crazy. Like we, I don't think anybody at the time would have seen him developing um, the skill set and just, the, you know, the he's one of the most skilled players in the league now and i don't think you would have seen that ever happening at the time um but the clay thompson uh, you know not selecting clay thompson or kemba walker in that range just really bad just really not great um 2012 it doesn't get any better they take thomas robinson fifth bradley beal goes third in that draft so you know maybe if the ping pong balls go differently for them they could have had that uh damian lillard is the sixth pick and harrison bars is the seventh pick um yeah that's a tough pill to swallow particularly with the damian lillard one barnes is really good for them now so they ended up with him later down the road but yeah thomas robinson it just never did anything the league kind of moved away from players like him you know undersized power forwards who are kind of unskilled um that was when kind of the league shifted to small ball um and it just it just never really worked out for him uh 2013 they take ben mclemore who you know didn't work out but i think it was more the kings not doing a great job of developing players than him because he had elite talent um some you know, struggles character wise, at least going into that draft, he seems to have kind of cleaned up his act, at least in the league. Um, Giannis goes 15th in that draft. I had kind of mentioned during the Pelicans video, Giannis was six, eight and like, you know, razor thin entering the draft. We would have never expected him to be pushing six foot and just the, the Hulk of a human being that he is today, at least going into that draft. It's very rare that like 18, 19 year old kids hit like a huge growth spurt um, after they enter the league. So not going to kill them too much for the, for the not selecting Giannis. Obviously that would have really changed the, the scope of their franchise. Um, 2014, they take Nick Stauskas eighth which is uh, really rough. Could have had Julius Randle at seven if they had ping pong balls had gone differently. Uh, Zach Levine went 13th. I think um, kind of like I had mentioned with Ben McLemore, the development thing. So if, had they taken Levine, I think it would have worked out similarly as Ben McLemore, just because they had, you know, in, 
in terms of like skill set as like a draft prospect, they're very similar, um, you know, super athletic, sort of raw shooting guard or, or wing type players um, that could shoot the three. Like they're, they're both kind of cut from that cloth. Levine, I think it worked out to his benefit that he didn't end up in Sacramento. Um, later picks in that draft, Jeremy Grant, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jokic was a second rounder. Can't really kill them too much for not taking Jokic. Um, Would have probably been a weird fit uh, with DeMarcus Cousins anyways. Um, but this is when things really start to go sideways for them. Uh, 2015, they take Willie Cauley-Stein with the sixth pick in the draft. So they have DeMarcus Cousins, who at this point, you know, franchise defining center, you know, I don't know if he had made an all-star team yet, but he's, he's certainly in the mix for that. Um, you know, one of the best centers in the league at that stage in his career. And they take a center with the sixth pick in the draft, you know, DeMarcus cousins during his time with the Kings never played with another all-star, like at least a, a all-star that was a king that was on the team with him. Um, so yeah, drafting a bunch of centers doesn't really help that. Uh, 13th pick in that draft was Devin Booker, so that one really hurts. Um, 2016th, they have the eighth pick. Seventh pick was Jamal Murray. Uh, they end up trading down, and this this is just a complete debacle for them in 2016. Um, Sabonis was on the board, Lavert, Siakam, DeJounte Murray, Malcolm Brogdon, Zubach was a second-round pick. Um, so they trade down from their, from their eighth pick. I'm sorry. They had the eighth pick. Jamal Murray was the seventh pick. Um, so they trade down from their eighth spot. They get 13 and 28 pick 13 and 28. Um, so they give up on the chance to draft Marquise Chris, uh, not really losing anything there, but they take Georgios Papagiannis, who was, I couldn't find a mock draft with him any better than like the 58th pick in the draft um, or undrafted was a lot of them. So they move down and they, with their lottery pick, they take a guy who may not even get drafted that year. And then they take Scott Lubissier, who is kind of a power forward center, kind of a weird player. Um, so DeMarcus Cousins is probably on his hands and knees, like just pleading for the body Divas, Divas, the GM to bring him some help. And he's like, no problem, fam. I got you. Uh, I'm going to take two centers here after we took a center last season. Also just crazy, just crazy. Uh, so they end up giving up uh, on the cousins thing, trade him to New Orleans 2017. They're terrible. Uh, they take De'Aaron Fox, pretty good pick. Um, also could have had uh, either Donovan Mitchell or Bam Adebayo. Um, but just to give them some credit here, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, they could have had uh, Jonathan Isaac, Lowry Markinen, uh Frank Nitakina, and Dennis Smith. Those were the next guys selected after Fox. So good job. They didn't completely blow it uh, in 2017. 2018, completely different story. They completely blow it. Um, so I've read they, they take Marvin, Marvin Bagley with the second pick. Uh, Luka Doncic, third pick in that draft. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, fourth pick. Trey Young, fifth pick. So they did about as poorly as they could have done, you know, given with a top five pick. I guess they could have picked somebody that's already out of the league, but not going to give them any credit for not taking Marvin Bagley in terms of if anybody doesn't remember narratively what was going on. Uh, Doncic was MVP of the Euro League. Uh, at 18 years old, which had like never been done, I don't think. Um, so 
Doncic was an obvious slam dunk pick. People had talked about him even going first above Aiton. And if he had been selected first, nobody would have batted, batted an eye. Um, but instead, because I, I've read that Divots had issues with Luka Doncic's dad from when they were playing professional ball overseas, uh, that was why he didn't take Doncic. Well, you really showed him like he, he didn't have to play for Sacramento and yeah, so didn't really work out there for them. Um, and that kind of brings us to today. They've kind of nailed the last two picks. It looks like with Halliburton and Mitchell, but yeah, a, a lot of those picks were just complete disasters um, at best and like weird fits on also complete disasters at worst. Um, they did have some solid picks in there, but I'm not going to give them too much credit because there were some really, really weird decisions made in there. Um, so I, I think, you know, to kind of go into their future here of whether or not they should blow this thing up or, um, you know, kind of try and retool and make a playoff push. I'm kind of leaning towards retool. Um, a lot of the guys, at least in Fox's case, who's kind of their franchise guy, he's still pretty young. So there's no reason to like, you know, completely tear this thing down. I think the current GM, um, you know, he may be leaning in that direction, at least with what they've drafted, it looks that way, but both Mitchell and Halliburton just kind of fell in their lap. So it's not like he was targeting guards necessarily in the draft. It was more of, you know, you could make the case that he was just trying to take the best player available, um, but he didn't draft De'Aaron Fox. So he may want to move off of that. Um, you know, in, in terms of what Alvin Gentry is doing with the roster, at least in the games that I've watched, I think he's a lot closer to getting kind of the puzzle pieces together than Luke Walton does um, or Luke Walton did. If you remember the scene from Idiocracy where he's doing the IQ test and they're, they're trying to do like the, that baby um, puzzle where you just put the, the shaped blocks into the correct slot. Um, Luke Walton was sitting there crying with, you know, all the blocks in front of him. Um, whereas, you know, Gentry, at least thus far, you know, he's gotten a couple of blocks into the slots, but there's still some that he's trying to jam into weird and, you know, it looks like he's trying to jam the star piece into the circle slot um, for some of the things that he's doing. But for the most part, he's he's doing better. Um, I, I, I guess. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of players that I like on this team. I like I like De'Aaron Fox. I like Buddy Heald. I like Halliburton. Like I like Davion Mitchell, um, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley. So they've got, you know, seven guys that, you know, I think most NBA fans are like, yeah, I like that player, you know, maybe not to carry a franchise, but you know, they're, they're not, you know, to have seven guys that are like real NBA players. Like that's, that's more than the Washington wizards have had over the past few years. This year is obviously different, but you know, in terms of guys who belong on an NBA roster, they've got a lot of them. Um, yeah. If they do decide to retool, um, the team. I think De'Aaron Fox, you know, a decent two or three option um, on like a championship style team. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy to lead a team to the finals um, in terms of how they should be using him. I think getting him off the ball a little bit more um, could be really beneficial, at least on the fast break. I mean, this dude has special, special athletic ability. I have to imagine he's the fastest player in the league and it, it may not be close. He's at least top three i can't think of anybody off the top of my head who would be faster than him um and he's been pretty good at finishing around the basket he's got some shooting touch 
Um, I think if they want to use him and really, you know, unlock him as a weapon, um, I think, I don't think he needs to be bringing the ball up on the fast break. I think Monte Ellis is a really interesting comparison for him. You know, Ellis was kind of an undersized two guard. And I think if they use Fox like that, I think he could be really good. You know, Monte Ellis electric speed when he was in the league. I mean, he was the fastest guy in the league there for a while, good at finishing on the fast break. And, you know, like Ellis, when Fox gets going downhill in a one-on-one situation on a fast break, basically unguardable. So, you know, if they if they get him to just release on shots instead of hang around the basket and try and get the outlet pass, I think he could be lethal on the fast break for them. Um, and then in the half court, yeah, they keep doing what they're doing with him. Pick and rolls, good, good option for him. And Gentry also has this play that I really like where he starts on the right side of the court. Fox is a left-handed player, starts on the right side of the court. And they just sprint him and like a banana cut around the arc. And he gets a double screen, catches the ball, and just all his momentum is going towards the basket. There's very few people who are going to be able to keep up with him or, or make a contest on a play like that if they don't cover it right, you know, right from the start. So that's something that they can continue to exploit. And then pick and roll wise, I mean, he's a matchup nightmare for a big, you know, the shooting shooting stuff is down this year, but if he can get get it to back it back where it was last year, percentage wise, I think they're, that's going to be fine. Um, Monte Ellis was the same story. The shooting was never quite where you wanted it to be. But I mean, it's still something that as a defender, you can't sag off of him um, for fear of him going to the basket because he he will knock down the three. Um, Halliburton, another guy really like and I really like his fit with Fox in the backcourt. Um, he's a really unconventional guard. Uh, it's really it's it's not like something I've really seen. Um, and it's not something you can just be like, OK, we're just going to run pick and roll to death with Halliburton. I think that would be he can do it and he can do it pretty successfully. Um, but I think that would be misusing his skill set um, and not unlocking his potential fully. Um, he is a special, special passer and playmaker. He has really good vision. He makes really good decisions and he's really accurate, accurate with the ball when he makes those decisions. Um, doesn't have a lot of shake off the dribble. Like he's not going to be able to break down a lot of guys off the dribble and get around them. Um, in terms of speed, it's not anything super special. Um, and then just dribble moves wise, it's just, he's never going to be getting around guys. And a lot of times they'll run like just really traditional pick and rolls with him. I don't think that that's the best way to use him. Um, yeah, he, he's just not as well suited to kind of set up the pick and roll and really capitalize off of it. Um, his shot is a little unconventional. It looks a lot like Sean Marion's, but it goes in a lot more and it looks better than Sean Marion's, but just it's kind of funky like Marion's was. Um, but he, he knocks the threes down. I mean, he's a really good, accurate three point shooter. Um, but the mechanics of his shot, kind of like I mentioned with him not being well suited to take, you know, do a more traditional pick and roll. He's not going to be able to hit the step backs that we see guys hitting today. His mechanics just don't make that possible for him to do. Um, so he's not going ever going to be a really great off the dribble shooter at, or on the move shooter, at least if his mechanics continue as the way they are. And he has no reason to change him. I mean, catch and shoot wise, he he's able to knock down threes at a pretty good clip. Um, 
yeah, I think, you know, kind of like I had mentioned with getting Fox off the ball, at least on the fast break a little bit more, it looks like uh, Gentry is moving more towards this where he's having Halliburton lead the fast break and Halliburton kind of push the tempo. I think that's a really good fit for him, especially with Fox where who, who you can get him down the court as quickly as possible. And he doesn't have to worry about getting the outlet pass and leading the break. Halliburton is a much better passer than Fox. And so he's able to hit guys with those lead passes, kind of like we see Lonzo ball do um, with a guy like Fox down there on the other end, that could be really a really good weapon for them. And playmaking wise, as I said, the vision, everything like that is just a, and the a passing accuracy, just really elite for him. Um, half court wise, the way they could use him more effectively than just stand in either stand in the corner, like sometimes they have him do, or um, run like a more traditional pick and roll. Uh, if they kind of get him moving on some cuts and, you know, across the lane to the elbows, something like that, just get him moving without the ball. I think his passing is best used as like, you know, they get him the ball on a cut and he makes a quick next decision, hits, hits the guy in the dunker spot or kicks it out to the open three, uh, three point shooter as the defense collapses, something like that, a role like that would really suit him. I think the less you can have him dribble in the half court, kind of the better, um, because like his real strength is making quick decisions with the ball. Uh, Davion Mitchell, next guy I want to talk about. I like him a lot more than I thought I would, um, I did. I was not a believer. I'm fully, fully willing to admit that I did not believe that this would work out as a pick. I just, I didn't see it from a guy who had kind of had a fluky three point shooting year, but historically hadn't been that very, very good from the three point line. Um, and you know, at his height, six foot, I just didn't see the him being an elite defender. Um, but the defense is as advertised. You know, he is a very, very good defender even as a rookie and they're giving him the defensive matchups of like the Dame Lillers and, and whatnot, when he comes in off the bench, uh, off dribble, you know, stuff I think is ahead of schedule for him. Um, yeah. I mean, he can get to the basket a little bit here and there, and especially, you know, going against the opposing team's second unit. I think it's been, I think it's been ahead of schedule for him. It, it's looked pretty good. Shooting is still kind of a question mark for him. I mean, he's made some shots. He's not made some shots. I mean, it's, we were worried it wouldn't be great and it hasn't been great, but it also hasn't been bad. It's not been a disaster. Like some people feared, including myself. Um, so yeah, he's been really solid for them. I like him as a third guard, especially with Halliburton and Fox. Um, I don't ever see him at least on this roster as a starting point guard. I, I think it would be tough to make him like a franchise level point guard. So I kind of see him always as a, in, in a bench role or kind of a, as a limited starter, like, a, I don't know, Patrick Beverly or something when things were going really great with him. I think he could be better than Beverly, but as far as being like a all-star level point guard, I just, I don't see it happening. I don't think when they drafted him, they expected him to be at that level either, but he's an interesting player. And with the guards they already have, I think, you know, this, this could really be really special for them guard wise, uh, buddy healed. Um, you know, I, I've been really impressed with him. He's kind of instant offense off of the bench for them. Um, some shot selection issues. He takes some really bad three pointers here and there, but I mean, he can get to the basket. He obviously shoots the three very well. Just, you know, some, some of the contested shots you'd rather him not take. Um, unfortunately for him, I think 
it's good. He's kind of the odd man out here. It's to, don't really want him playing small forward. Like he kind of has to with this group with three guards that they have a high investment in, whether it be monetary pick wise or both um, with Mitchell Halliburton and Fox, those were all lottery picks, recent lottery picks, and they want to get those guys a lot of minutes. So healed, you know, not well suited for the small forward. So he's just kind of the odd man out. Unfortunately, um, I do want to talk about the Lakers thing. Um, cause you know, they were the Kings, as far as I've heard, thought that was a done deal, buddy healed to the Lakers for Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. I think in hindsight, both teams would have been made a lot better by that trade than the Russell Westbrook, um, for Lakers bench pieces. But, um, I think if they had Kuzma instead of healed, I think the roster would make a lot more sense, but right now they have healed. I think he's the odd odd man out they can hold on to him he's not on a super expensive contract um but in terms of like a long-term fit i just don't see that it, it's going to make sense if you're going to commit to davion mitchell halliburton and fox um rashawn holmes I, I don't really have a lot to say you know double double guy 14 points gets a block here and there um didn't see him he was out for the portland game and, and the lakers game so haven't seen a ton of him so I, I don't really have a ton to say about him i like him but like i don't think in terms of like he's not a needle mover i don't think for them at least um i think you'd feel a lot better if he was coming off of the bench but as a starter he's solid enough he's not like the weak spot he's not the problem with this team by any means uh harrison barnes Really good three and D wing. If they could get another guy with a skill set similar to Harrison Barnes, um, I think they're I think they're a real team. I think they're a real threat to make the playoffs. Um, as it stands now, they're running Mo Harkless um, alongside Barnes as their their wing tandem. It, uh, Mo Harkless is just terrible. <laughs> I I was really hopeful for him with the Heat last year, but it just never really happened. It's just it's not. It's just not going to happen for him, unfortunately, I don't think. And um, yeah, you know, I'd feel a lot better if there was another, if they could clone Harrison Barnes and start both of them. But uh, obviously we can't do that. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's fine. Um, Marvin Bagley. I'm finally glad to see him getting some playing time under Gentry. Uh, what was Luke Walton doing here? Like the last couple of games, uh, Bagley has looked really good. Um, obviously, you know, if you take out the context of where he was drafted, I think he can be a really solid player. I think it's going to be tough for him to kind of in his career. He's always going to be the guy that was taken ahead of Luka Doncic, um, which is tough. But I, I what like Luke Walton wasn't playing this guy. And it's so weird. Um, kind of the way they're using him now is weird, too. Like it, it seems like Gentry is hesitant to go with him as the lone big guy. Like he's running him with Alex Len or Tristan Thompson. And it's a weird fit because like Bagley will end up having to guard like a perimeter player. Like they had him on LeBron James in the Lakers game for like weird, oddly long stretches of the game. And that was just kind of the only place he could guard somebody with some of the Laker lineups. Later, he ended up on Mello when they brought Mello back in. But still to just like kind of commit him to being like a perimeter defender is kind of strange. Um, I think you could get away with him at the five. Uh, Gentry had this lineup that was just a complete disaster. They ran Harkless, Len, and Bagley, and it just looked terrible. Um, yeah, I think Bagley, maybe not as a starting center, but like in a pinch or like 
in spot minutes here and there as a stretch five, I think it could be really good. He, you know, I kind of mentioned him being forced onto perimeter players. He can defend the perimeter pretty well. I just don't think that's the place that you want to start him at is defending LeBron James on the perimeter. I think that's, I think that's a tough ask for him. Um, But, you know, he attacks the glass, you know, as well as anybody on their roster, Um, kind of the theme I've seen them, you know, have, at least in the games that I've watched, they've struggled on the glass. It's not been super great. Um, So if they're going to commit, if they're not going to ever be a good rebounding team, even if they have two bigs on the court, why not just commit to not being a good rebounding team and just be athletic and quick. Um, Bagley can hold it down on the glass well enough. Um, And with the the small lineups that they run with their guards, they're, they're just never going to be a good rebounding team. So who cares? Um, Bagley can beat some people off the dribble, especially if you put him at the five and he's got some slow lumbering center on him. He can take some guys off the dribble. He could shoot the three. He had a couple of big ones in the Lakers game. Um, yeah, he's honestly a decent passer. Um, you know, the playmaking stuff, he, he's got he's got some nice passes. It could be really fun um, to see him at the five. I hope they go to that. I haven't really seen them do it yet, but hopefully Gentry, you know, gets the film and sees that that could be a real weapon for them. Um, I would love to see a Fox Halliburton healed uh, Harrison Barnes and Bagley lineup i think that could be really fun it could be really difficult to keep up with the athleticism of that lineup and if they can get some stops you know attacking on the fast break particularly with halliburton's playmaking that could be that could be really great um rest of the roster i don't really feel strongly about one way or the other just because i didn't mention that i liked somebody doesn't mean that i hate them um Alex Len, I don't really like him very much. He's uh, he's fine, but like as a backup center, they were starting him the last couple of games with Holmes out. It, it didn't look good. Um, Tristan Thompson, I, he kind of just does a little bit too much sometimes. Like he's, he dribbles the ball way more than you would like, and it's just I, – I don't know. He, still, he can still get on the glass, so that's good. But, yeah, the rest of the roster I don't really feel too strongly about. But the guys that I mentioned I feel good about. And I think if they kind of redefine the roles and maybe make an ac- the odd acquisition here and there, they, they really need some wing help and maybe some center help. Um, I'm not committed to that one as much as the wing help. They really need to get another wing in there. Mo Harkless has no business on an NBA court. So if they can get that sorted out, I think they could easily make a push for the playoffs this year.